Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you all for your prayers around the globe. It's just amazing to see <laughs> just uh, all of you from just around this whole planet. And um, I'd like to introduce Andrew Burchett. He's the, actually uh, the pastor of Neighborhood Church in Chico. He's been on staff there for 25 years, and he's the lead pastor um, now for uh, many of those years. And uh, he's uh, my pastor. He's the this is the place my wife and I go when we're not on the road or not speaking somewhere else. So, Andrew, great to have you here. And I know you've been asked to share just about the significance of Jesus and his commandment to us. So welcome. God bless you, Andrew. Thank you, Papa Gaylord. Um, it is a huge privilege to be with you. Uh, I tuned in several times yesterday and um, prayed with people from all over the world, and it was just amazing. I have not been a part of 10 days before, so I'm I'm just soaking it in and just even the last 30 minutes praying with you here in my office, and whew, I feel filled up and excited. And uh, Gaylord and I, we've been doing life together for 20 plus years, yeah. and um, he has had some incredible revelation from the Lord. Um, that I've been able to to just follow in his footsteps and pick up some of this amazing revelation. And um, it really has to do with the, the love that we have for one another. And I think this really ties into one of the core pillars of 10 days, which is that unity in the body of Christ. How are we going to get to that John 17 unity? It's going to be the love of the Father flowing through us to others. And, you know, this can just be something that you throw out and move on with. But I think there's something bigger, deeper, more precious, more powerful that we've got to get our minds wrapped around and really begin to embrace the command that Jesus has. So this might be new to some of you. So I'm going to back up a little bit. And um, let me tell you about our city. Um, our city is about 100,000 people. Uh, we have a, a university here with thousands of university students. And our streets were filled with all sorts of uh, revelry and part partying and things and the churches began to band together to prayer walk and to go after loving our city to find ways to change the atmosphere. So you have mothers and fathers who are baking pies for college kids and delivering flowers to sororities. And there's this sense of uh, we're going to put hands and feet on the love of Jesus and we're going to begin to change the atmosphere of the city. So what was this change coming from? Well, part of it was just the unity of the body of Christ, the willingness to put aside our differences theologically and other things and to say, we're going to love strategically. And we we started a, a ministry called Street Pastors. Now, Street Pastors, many of you have probably heard of it. Maybe it's in your country. It started in the UK. But we had 13 different churches that were combining to send people out on the streets between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. to love those who are on the street. And if you're on the street at that time of night in our city, you need help. You need Jesus. And so we wore uniforms like the whole street pastors um, program um, suggests. And we were part of the night. We've been a part of the nighttime uh, life of the city for more than 10 years now. And um, as I've been on the street, uh, people will stop and say, what church are you from? 
And our answer is we're actually from 13 different Christian churches and we're working together to love our city. And it just blew people's minds that we would be working together. I mean, this is such an unfathomed thing. You mean churches are working together? Well, what kind of movement is this? And that sparked more conversations than anything else on the street. Why? Because there is the an authenticating mark on us as Jesus followers, and that is his love working through us. I had a dream a few nights ago, and I believe it was in part for this call today. So let me tell you about the dream. So I am, of course, a pastor. And I'm going to officiate this wedding for this young couple. And they're just a handsome couple. Um, and they kind of look like a couple in our church, but I don't, I don't think it was them. And I, you know, it was one of those dreams where you're trying to get to the wedding and you're late and you can't find your notes and, you, and everything is going sideways. And, whew, and, and, you know, there's all that fear and anxiety. And then I look down and the sleeve of my dress shirt is completely missing on my right sleeve. It's just completely gone. But, oh, I can't go officiate a wedding with one sleeve. And so I finally arrive at the wedding and I find the groom and and they're all seated around tables because they've kind of given up on the fact that pastor's not going to show up to the wedding. And I'm heartbroken and I feel like I've let them down. And um, that right sleeve, I think, I believe that that has to do with authority, that I felt like I didn't have authority to be able to do this any longer, to have a place in their life. And um, the young groom, the bridegroom, looks me in the face and says this, I wrote it down. This is just homework. The Lord is teaching us how to love each other when things go wrong. Now, that seems like a really simple statement, but the effect on me, even in the dreams, this incredible release of shame, of guilt, of not being able to measure up, I was forgiven and loved in that moment. And and I woke up and I immediately knew it was the Lord and I wrote it down. And so I'm still praying through it. But why am I so surprised when I encounter the love of God working through others and flowing to me? Why is that even a surprise to me when I've been walking around with Gaylord and he wrote this incredible book called Love Revolution and trying to recover the lost command of Jesus. This has been a life-changing message for me. And even though Gaylord is the one who shared it with me, it's Jesus's command that we're looking at. And this has changed the way that I do ministry, the way that I um, partner with people in our city, the way that I lead others, and even the way that I love, I affect, it has affected how I interact with my neighbors. Of course, Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself. And I think he's actually talking about the people who live next door. And they're sometimes the most difficult people to love. So why am I surprised when this love encounters me and I'm so set free by it? Well, in part because I didn't grow up with the idea of Jesus' command being central to our life. I didn't learn this in seminary. I went to seminary for five years and never really heard about the command of Jesus. I read lots of theological books. I've heard lots of sermons. Very rarely do people talk about the love of Jesus flowing through us to others. They will throw a love one another in there every once in a while. And even the doctrinal statements of our church and our denomination, they hardly even refer to the command of Jesus. So 
Is it because we just don't know how to do this? Or maybe this command of Jesus was actually stolen by the enemy of our soul in the first century so that it would render the body of Christ largely ineffective. It was this command that Jesus gives in John 13, 34. You've heard it before. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, or in this way, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. There is a love that flows from God to us, to the world, that is the authenticating mark that sets us aside from any other religion, world philosophy, view. It's past a humanistic uh, kind of the nice, good thing to do. This is core to the world finding out what the truth about Jesus is, that he appeared for two reasons, First John says. He appeared to forgive our sins and destroy the works of the enemy. And so here's Jesus. He's doing these things, but he's going to accomplish it. He chooses to accomplish it through his church. And when he's commissioning the church in, in Matthew 28, he says, all authority in heaven on earth and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, all ethnos, all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And it's interesting, when you begin to look at those Greek words, uh, the NIV that I'm reading from right now, it actually doesn't translate all that well, because this is not about obeying everything that I've commanded, because this tereo word actually means to guard and to keep your eyes on it so as not to be stolen. And this command, okay, so what is this command? Entele, this Greek word, it's it's a word that you would learn in your first, in my, I remember my first year of Greek learning entele. It's just commands. It's the same thing that we see for commands in the Old Testament. And so, well, so if we're going to make disciples and we're going to teach the disciples to keep their eyes on what Jesus has commanded and not lose it. What is his command? Well, we just read it. It's from John 13, 34, to love one another. He's very clear over and over in John 15. He says it twice more. There's other places. So Jesus is very clear about his command. Now, let's take a step back because this might be new for you. Um, let's talk commandments just really briefly. Old Testament. In the Old Covenant, we got 613 commands, the law of Moses, in fact, Jesus was even asked, um, hey, what's the what's the greatest commandment in the law? Do you remember that verse? And Jesus's answer to this question, um, he says, well, this is all about the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, right? That uh, I'll read it to you here. Uh, Matthew 22, let's read it from there. Um, verse 34, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, to be the old covenant, tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Okay, so he's referring to the Old Testament law. Jesus is then responding about the Old Testament law. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Deuteronomy 6, right? This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself, he says. 
All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So the entire Old Testament can be summed up in these two commandments. But really, we are under a new covenant now. And having a new covenant, as we've been talking about for some years now, actually, you get some new commands. And um, so where do we find this? Well, we find this most succinctly in 1 John 3, 23. It's become my favorite verse recently. Gaylord has won me over to 1 John 3, verse 23. And it's it reads this way. And this is his, which is God the Father's command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. So that's the first command. This is Jesus appearing to save us from our sins, right? Salvation, critical. Got to start there. And number two, and to love one another as he, Jesus Christ, the son, commanded us. So you have this new covenant, which gets two great commands of this gospel covenant, this new new covenant. And it's this is significant in in more than just John's writings. It, it appears all over Paul's writings where he talks about um, your faith in Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, your faith in Jesus Christ and the love that you have for all the saints, your faith is growing more and more and the love that every one of you has for each other is increasing your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints. It's over and over. Once you see the command of Jesus and these two things, you can't unsee them. It's like when you buy a white car and you start driving around and you realize there are so many white cars on the road. You begin to recognize and see them. And so this command of Jesus, it's it's very clear. And yet it's almost hidden from us right under our nose in our own Bibles. And so you have these two great commands in the New Testament to believe in the name of the Son. That's the Father's command and Jesus's command to love one another. So you might think, oh, well, then we just have to work harder then. Let's just work a lot harder to love one another and it'll be great. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of a Christianity that just says you got to work harder. I think true biblical Christianity is all about yielding and surrendering more. Why? Because I don't have the love in my own heart and my own flesh to be able to actually live out the command of Jesus. I don't have it. Just as the old the old covenant the people didn't have the ability to keep all 613 plus laws. And so where, where do we go from here? This can feel like a call to do something that we don't have the resources for. Now, most of you know that Romans 5, 5 says God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we have this flow of the love of the father coming to us. He's loved us so much. He demonstrated his love by giving his own son to die for us, to reconcile with us. So we have this incredible love that's flowing to us. And yet this is not just something for us to keep for ourselves. We receive it to give it away. And we love because he first loved us. That's what first John four nineteen says. And so there's a sense of a relief me that I can receive all the love I need to give to others today through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is good news. 
Because Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands in John 15. Well, this is his command that we would love one another. So how does this shift our understanding? Because we're going to wrap up here in a minute, but um, how does this shift your understanding or how should this shift the way that we live? Well, for me, first, it just means learning to yield more and more, learning to get into a place to say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Get me to a place where I can receive everything you have for me so I can give it away. Not so that it can be a cul-de-sac or a, a road that ends or a pond that might just be stagnant water, but it would be a flow. It would be a road that goes through me to others. It would be a flow of water through me like, like living water, like, like gushing living water. This sounds like what you see in the scriptures that your joy would be complete when you love one another, when you're, this is flowing through you. It's given to us to give it away. And we'll never, if we give it away, we don't, we're not without it. We're given more. And so there's a shift in my understanding over the years about how I live my life and how I make my priorities. And so the first, the first shift for me was with my neighbors, the people that actually live nearby. Sometimes those are the people that play their music too loud so you can't sleep or their dogs are barking and so you're you're irritated or they weren't kind to you at some point or they've decided to hold an offense. But I believe Jesus really wants us to love our actual neighbors. And so what does it look like for us to look for the person of peace that lives around us and begin to engage in relationship, in life-giving, loving, serving relationship, not bait and switch, not so that I can try to figure out how to get them to come to church. I mean, I would love for them to come to church, but it's about love and it's manifested through me from God. So got this next door neighbor. She's not a Christian yet. She uh, was over at our house. We invited her over for a meal because we believe that eating is one way that we love one another. No matter what country you're in right now, food is the universal language of love, right? And so we're sharing our food together. And um, in the midst of it, we said, let's watch a movie together. So we're watching a movie and we paused the movie to talk about a few things. We asked her a question about her mother. She immediately manifested. Her eyes rolled back. And I looked at my wife and she looked at me and we didn't, what do we do next? Like this, this is very strange. And she's manifesting and shaking and her eyes have rolled back. And so, well, what do you do? You pray. That's all you know how to do. Right. And so we began to pray for her and pray and pray. And she really wasn't attentive to us, but we just thought, Lord, we're going to love her right now by praying. And we're just rebuking the enemy. And all of a sudden she came back into her right mind and she was flustered and she ran out the door and we ran after her and we said, no, it's okay. It's okay. She said, I'll be right back. And she said, I just need to get air. And she came back and, and she said, I'm so sorry. And I, and we said, we love you and we're going to walk with you regardless of what happens. It's okay. So we have this incredible moment. And yet she's still telling me, I know you're a pastor, so don't try to convert me. Okay. I'm not going to try to convert you. I'm just going to love you. And so just recently, her twin sister was having a, a baby shower and uh, uh, the mother was speaking all kinds of curses and lies over this over this baby. And it was just an awful situation. And we just said, we need to push in and be moms and dads. We need to be mothers and fathers because these two twin girls, they don't have 
engaged parents that that really love them. They're just they're actually being the, coming the we're coming the opposite spirit. So we threw a baby shower for her sister's baby, and it was really interesting when I talked to her sister because I don't know her very well. She, uh, she says, "I'm so surprised you're doing all this work. Why are you doing this?" I said, "Well, you know, this is who we are." And she looked at me and she said, "Is it because this is what Jesus does?" I said. Yeah, we follow Jesus. And so we figured this is what Jesus would do. She got it. Is she a believer? Nope, not yet. Is her sister a believer? No, not yet. But there's this sense of we're going to keep our love focused toward them, even when it gets difficult or it's um, different than what we've experienced before. So loving my neighbors have been a key area. Has it been without trouble? Nope. I have one neighbor that... um, for a while, because I was writing blogs about this topic and loving one another, she actually printed out my blogs about loving your neighbors, put it onto my car and wrote, you don't do this underneath my my windshield wiper. So, you know, is the enemy going to come after you when you start actually living out the command? Absolutely. And was it miserable and has it been miserable? Absolutely. But Jesus is in it and he's on the move on our block. So just two last things. Um, in prayer, I want love to motivate prayer, right? I just love what I've heard in the last 24 hours on here. I mean, there is such devotion and passion. And for me, it's the love for the people in my city that I know don't know Jesus. That's motivating me to go after prayer for our, our noontime prayers that we do on Wednesday for our region, uh, the other meetings that we do. I want that to motivate my prayer to build the kingdom, not to just to do the right thing, but I want love to be the, the engine behind it. And then what about loving your enemies? Jesus talks about this. And I just, I, I feel like um, sometimes forgiveness is our most difficult thing to step into, to come into the heart of God and let go of offense. And I believe offense is the bait of Satan. He wants you to take the bait so that you will stay unreconciled in your relationships, so that you'll be ineffective. Uh, you'll, you'll be focused on yourself. You'll find yourself in a victim mindset instead of an overcomer mindset. And I believe that we're called to be overcomers as Jesus followers, but it takes work to forgive others. It means healing prayer. It means counseling. It means time with Jesus, journaling, hearing God's voice, humbling yourself. And it's not easy, but this is what love looks like as it relates to love and your enemies. And then lastly, as a pastor, um, not all pastors are easy to get along with. Not e- Not all pastors are easy to partner with. Some pastors have this sense of competition. They're trying to get their the people in their church or they want to be bigger or better or stronger. They want to have a nice live stream or or they've got a different philosophy. Uh, they've got a different strategy and, and maybe they have very different doctrine and that just bugs you and, and rubs you the wrong way. But I've learned I need to keep my heart toward those who are different from me. And we need each other. There is one church of Jesus Christ in the city. And that's why on Sundays, we've got a new um, a new tradition in the last few weeks that we're praying for one church and one other Christian church in Chico by name, praying for the pastor by name, and then also praying for a city in our in our region by name. And just saying, just re reinforcing to our people, look, 
It is not all about neighborhood church, the church that Gaylord and I attend and that we lead in. This is about the kingdom, which is so much bigger. And when we are in that place of true love for one another in relational unity with other people in ministry, it opens up doors, not only with people on the street who says, wait a second, you're working together, but it begins to open up doors with people who live on your block who says, oh yeah, I'm a part of this other church and you prayed for us this week and you love us and you're not offended by us or trying to steal our people, but what? And it's beginning to change their mindsets so that we will band together and we will see the coming revival, the love revolution that we're, we've been believing the Lord for, we believe is here now and will be. So thank you so much for the honor of allowing me just to share with you. I am um, so inspired by what God's doing. And um, I'm going to throw one little other thing out just because uh, I had a dream the other night about pastors who are coming into a region and we're going to have a regional pastors meeting Gaylord and I today. Um, but these two pastors were getting together and it was the clear message that we need to love one another first before we do um, strategic things, which makes sense from what I'm talking about. But there was a name that the Lord gave me. and I'm going to put it out there. And if somebody knows someone by this name, will you put it in the chat or uh, contact me? Um, the name is Bob Fells. I don't know anybody by that name, but it was so clear. I'm like, where is Bob Fells? He has some key for us. So if you know someone in your vast networks, I would love to know what the Lord's doing because I think he's trying to send me a message, but I don't know who Bob Fells is. So so I'll turn it back over to the moderator. Um, thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Andrew. What a great message. And please, yeah, if someone's connected with the Bob Fells, send him to Andrew. That's, yes, that's so awesome. I love this message, Gaylord, your faithfulness to, you know, to carry this message generationally is so beautiful. And just to see your guys' hearts. And I can see that love for one another that you guys even have with each other, even just across Zoom. And so thank you for coming and bringing this message. I know I, I messaged Jonathan after the teaching yesterday and even after today, just like I could listen to this message every day. I need to hear this message every day. This is like a Deuteronomy 6, like put it on your hand, put it on your forehead, keep this to your heart. It's that kind of thing. So thank you guys for being